Hey listeners, I'm Robbie, and this is The Breakdown. This week, I'm bringing you my conversation with career coach and Broadway actor Brett Shuford. Brett's Broadway credits include Wicked, Paramore, Amazing Race, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, Beauty and the Beast, and The Little Mermaid. TV and film highlights include Law & Order SVU, Submissions Only, My Dirty Little Secret, and Scorsese's Wolf of Wall Street. As well as being an actor, Brett also runs his own business, The Broadway Life Coach. He's also the founder of Broadway Life Apparel, an incredible, unique, Broadway-themed clothing company. I was so excited to talk to Brett because I love meeting people who are as nerdy about this business as I am. I literally could have talked to him forever, but for all of your benefit, I kept it to under an hour. We chat about everything under the sun, including smart ways to network, what networking actually means, and if you're one of those people who has an aversion to the word networking, Brett makes it way less scary and way more manageable than you may think. It's actually more about being yourself and using your interests outside the business to connect with others. Brett's also a whiz at social media and talks about effective, healthy ways to use Instagram as a tool for your business. I think this can apply to everyone, directors, casting directors, choreographers, literally everyone. (laughs) And we talk about what it means to have more than one career within the industry. I think that some of us, aka myself, have a hard time saying out loud that we're also interested in directing or choreographing or podcasting because then we aren't taking our quote unquote main career focus seriously. But Brett reminds us that the number one rule of show business is that there are no rules. And if everyone likes you, you're probably not working hard enough. Amen. Listeners, Brett is incredible. And after this episode, I think you'll agree. Remember, if you like what you hear, please make sure to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. It really makes a huge difference. And give us a follow and let us know you're listening on Instagram at The Breakdown with Robbie. I've been loving hearing from you all. Now, without further ado, my conversation with the incredible Brett Shuford. I'm here with Brett Shuford, Broadway's Brett Shuford. Um, I'm not here with Brett, unfortunately. We are uh, doing this remotely because we are... Again, in the age of um, our social distancing, which is literally the worst. Um, But Brett, I'm so happy that this uh, podcast connected us and that you're chatting with me today. Yeah, thanks, Robbie. Thanks for everything you're doing. And I'm glad you guys are safe and healthy. That's good. It's definitely a time that we are going through. I I don't want to spend a ton of time talking about, you know, where we are right now with the distancing, because I think... And I know that it will change. Mm-hmm. Our business will change. We don't know how it's going to change, but we will be able to see each other and we will all be able to go to our auditions and do our shows. Um, but but it's interesting for me to know, um, especially because you are um, a coach and an actor, if you can just talk about how it all kind of came to a halt for you, how you guys found out about it. What's interesting when you're in a show and you share a dressing room with a ton of people, you know, you you get all the gossip and all the dish. And I feel like in December, I remember there were all these little things about this virus in China and all of us thinking, huh, meh, it's not going to bother us. And then the next month, somebody would be like, did you see that it's spreading and da 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 da. And and there'd, there'd be discussions. Like, do you think it'll come here? And then they had a company meeting when, I think when it started in Seattle, they started finding cases in Seattle. They were like, here's what we're going to do. We're not going to allow any backstage tours. Everyone's, we're going to have more hand sanitizer, um, things like that. And then literally like two or three weeks later, they were like, we're shutting down. Now, there was understudy rehearsal on that Thursday and and right before rehearsal started, like everyone was gathering and there was a, a text, you know, from somebody saying, well, Broadway's shutting down. Why are we at rehearsal? <laughs> but they did. Um, I wasn't able to be at rehearsal because I was actually in Florida celebrating my my in-laws 50th wedding anniversary. And so I found out landing in Key West on the on the airplane that this was happening. So. I basically spent the whole weekend freaking out that maybe I was going to give my parents COVID, um, but everyone's fine. And we flew back to New York on Sunday and, um, 
and Stephen is my husband, and we just isolated ourselves for 16 days in our apartment in the East Village. And all you do is the same thing everyone else is doing is you wait for information because we don't know. We just don't know. And so we were waiting to hear what what Broadway was going to do, if they were going to pay us, which they only paid us for two weeks. They paid us um, like a two-week uh, thing. And then, you know, now we're waiting to hear about health insurance and the rumor last the last conversation with our producers is september but then you read the cameron mcintosh article from the west end and he's saying january and you know so there's just a lot of rumors and speculation and i think the thing that i tell people including my parents is you know this unknown thing that we're living in of like when are things going to come back and when are we going to all go back to work that is the life of an actor that is how I've lived my entire life for 20 years. You know, I never know when the next job is going to come. A show closes and I have to figure it out. And that's, and so I just reminding people, like if we can do it as actors, we can all get through this time <laughs> as well. Like, you know, <laughs> and hopefully maybe somebody who's never experienced this before will have a little more sympathy for what it is we do for a living. 100%. Absolutely. <laughs> that's crazy that you were on vacation. I mean, that's crazy that you weren't there. Yeah, it was crazy. And I and it was sort of like a little shocking because you're like, well, I had this whole vacation planned with the expectation I would go back to work when I got back and that hasn't happened. So it was interesting. And, you know, for me, too, I'd only joined the cast of Wicked in November. So I'd only been there four months. Oh, wow. And okay. and so. And I'm a swing understudy for The Wizard and Dr. Dilliman. So I literally had just learned and performed my last track. I cover eight tracks. And I had just gone on for my last track before that vacation. And the vacation was like good time. I was like, yeah, I'm going to go celebrate learning all my tracks and then come back to work. And now I'm like, oh, boy, how am I going to remember all these tracks? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um so funny, like literally so many people that I feel like are going through Wicked right now are just like dear loves of mine. Hannah was my roommate in college and is one, like, one of my best friends. Yeah. Yeah. <gasps> I love her. So like was there a few times to see her. Shout out to Hannah. Jenna Claire her. is like a dear, dear friend because um, I visit her on tour a lot because Mary Kate Morrissey, I don't know if you Mary Kate, she's- I know Mary Kate is. Uh, very dear Well, listen to well. this. Jenna Claire was in Florida shooting her, you know, yes. this new series. And, and so we had an extra ticket to Universal Studios and I called her and she came and met us on that same week of vacation. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> That's incredible. And then obviously Stephen Carrasco and, yeah. you know, so uh, Lauren Cannon, all of them. I love Lauren. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Like the most talented, all those people. Oh my God. Yes. So let's back up a little bit because I want to know how you got to be where you are. Like when you first decided you loved theater, you know, why you did it, why you decided to do it professionally. And, um, and then what I'm really interested to know is from being a professional actor, how you decided to go into career coaching and um, how you found that like passion for the business and to help other people. Sure. Well, I started really young. I mean, I, I, I was a bit pretty young for the theater bug at like six. I saw my first performance of Annie and I told my mom I wanted to do that. And then that was it. And I did community theater at, you know, I grew up in small town, Texas, um, out in the suburbs, like about an hour and a half east of Houston on the border of Louisiana. So the only thing near there was community theater. So I did, if there, if it was in 30 miles of where we lived, I was in it. And um, I was in dance classes and I was very heavily involved in choir and drama club. And I was just that kid because there was, I was just like, I knew what I wanted to do. And so wherever that was, I had to do it. Um, and it was difficult, you know, especially being like, especially being a young gay kid in Southeast Texas and, um, and also really knowing you, what you want to do. And there's no access to the professional level of it. You know, Houston was the closest with like Tuts. And so I would go see stuff at Tuts, but it was too far away to, to work there. But I ended up getting, I ended up, I was pretty, I, I'm pretty 
always been this way. I'm very driven. I'm very um, like inventive and, and researched. And it's just how an impulsive, I think sometimes that's good and sometimes that's bad. And I saw that there was a local theater in Galveston, Texas, this outdoor theater that doesn't exist anymore. Summer stock theater called Galveston Island outdoor musicals. And it was a- I know of it. I know. No. It. Yes. People used to like go to like the NETCs and come back with a job yeah. at Galveston Island musicals. Yes. Well, Galveston was about an hour and a half away from where I lived. So I saw that in the paper, they were having local auditions for, you know, a, I think they called them apprentices then. And so I drove myself there. It was my senior year of high school. And the only thing I, again, at this point, I'd taken some acting classes um, in Houston, but I, most of my experience was community theater and dance competitions and choir and, and community. Right. So I drive there, I dance for them, I sing for them and they hire me. And I remember I was so over living in this crappy orange Texas where I lived and not it is for some people. It was not for me. I knew I wanted to be in New York. I knew I wanted to be in theater and that was not the place for it. So I, my senior year of high school, I didn't even go to our senior party. I literally got, did the cap and gown, packed up the car, drove to Galveston, started rehearsals the next day, got paid a hundred dollars a week. Me and Erica Mansfield, do you know Erica Mansfield? Of Yes. Okay, so she and I were both apprentices getting paid $100, and our job before every show was to drive around the entire amphitheater and clean the bathrooms (laughs) on a golf cart. But the people, but it was the first time I'd been around people from New York who'd worked on Broadway who had, um, who were openly gay and cool with it. And it was like that summer was really transformational for me. And I went to college then and I just started, I basically spent every summer working professionally. The next summer I worked at Lyric Theater of Oklahoma. The next summer I worked at Music Theater of Wichita. The next summer I actually did the Las Vegas premiere of Footloose the musical and it ran for just three months. It was like perfectly fit between my junior and senior year of college. And then I went back to college and finished my senior year and got my equity card at Paper Mill right out of college. And uh, that was it. I just, I, I've stayed in New York and I've been in New York ever since. Amazing. I need to back up for a second. Did you say okay. you grew up in Orange, Texas? Yes. I have been to Orange, Texas. I'm associate on the Christmas Story Tour. <gasps> and we teched in that yes, theater in Orange, Texas. The um, Lutcher Theater. Yes. And like there was no like restaurants within walking distance. So those amazing women put the best spread out for us every night. And we had a margarita night. And um, I remember I think we drove around to like three different places to try to get just like a black coffee. And like you couldn't. It's also like a dry town, dry city or not. not No, no, it's not. But I think there was like one bar and it was like a Mexican restaurant or something. Yeah. Yeah. Orange, Texas is where I went to high school. Oh, so wow. now you know. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and so, the, I mean, that theater is lovely. And yes, they it would is. bring in, they would bring in these non-union tours and I would go see them and I would go wait at the stage door and I would meet everybody. And, you know, and, and what's interesting is I've met a lot of people then that would sign my programs. They didn't use playbills there and um, they'd sign my programs and I've now worked with people and I'd be like, I saw you at the Lecture Theater in Orange, Texas, you know. So you, you, there's some kid in Orange, Texas who came and saw a Christmas story that you guys inspired. I'm sure of it. Oh, 100%. <laughs> um, and then you're working all the time. You have this amazing resume and great career. And then how does, um, how does coaching and your business that you've started come into the picture? So I was doing, uh, so my first probably show was Chid Chitty Bang Bang. And I remember the thing that stood out to me from that experience, and I think anyone who's done a Broadway show is, you can hear it all you want. You can hear that the business is a business, but when you have this dream, the childhood dream, and, and you want to make it happen, you don't realize it until you're there. And I remember doing Chitty Chitty Bang Bang and having a moment where I realized 
I think it was during the Tonys or something. I was like, oh, like this, this isn't about the most talented people. This is about what's going to sell tickets. And this isn't about like, and, and it's not to say that people aren't talented, but it was just this realization that the bottom line is really about how to make money. And I, I knew I was kind of disappointed, but kind of relieved. Like I understood now what was what it was, but no one had ever explained it to me and no one had ever laid it out how, how to bridge this gap of the dream and the business. And even going through four years of college and working in between, there was still this dream that um, didn't need to be crushed. I don't mean to say it was like someone crushed my dreams, but it was like, how, do I understand so that I'm not, I don't want, I didn't want people to feel disappointed. And I understood now why people who were in long running shows were uncomfortable and unhappy, you know, when people would complain at the, you know, you hear people complain in long running shows. And when you're not working, you're like, ugh, ugh, I wish I, I had that problem. Right. But it wasn't so much of it's, it wasn't so much about them. It's, it's hard to see until you're in it. And I thought, wow, I could really help people before they get to that moment so they're not disappointed. I could help people who are in those shows understand that their fulfillment isn't isn't reliant on that job, that they could feel fulfillment and then let that be a job. And one of the big sort of eye-opening moments for me was during The Little Mermaid. I was in the original cast of The Little Mermaid. And I was standing backstage. It was a random Saturday I was standing next to Merwin Ford, God rest his soul. And he's dressed as a blowfish and I'm dressed as a stingray. And we're about to go on for under the sea. And I'm just having one of those days, one of those shows, I'm not in the mood. And we've got glitter on our lips and we're ready to go. And I just said to him, is this where you thought your career would be? And he looked at me and he said, you know, this is like his 16th Broadway show. He said, this isn't a career. It's a job. And it clicked wow, I, if I just wanted to work, I could, if I just wanted to have a job, I could work at Starbucks, but I get to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, I get to do this right now. And how do I see the, that, the gratitude in that? And then how do I create something outside of that that's going to be fulfilling and that can help people and be of service to people? And a big part of my life has always been personal development. And, you know, I got sober a long time ago. I've been sober 16 years. And that was a huge part of my, you know, growth process and searching for fulfillment. And I thought, wow, I I feel like I could help people do that. I've always been great with marketing. I've always been good with social media. I'm great with people. I love people. And not everybody's like that. Right. And there's a lot of people, right. And there's a lot of people in the business who don't understand how is it you can be so great with people? Well, let me show you and I can help you. And you don't, it doesn't mean you have to be a people person, but here's how you can, you know, find your own path and understand that your fulfillment doesn't rely on the other end of these jobs. If you're fulfilled now, you can actually get work because of that. Mm -hmm. I love that. So when did you create, um, how long ago and when did you create your business? Yeah. 2009. So it was during Little Mermaid. I started, someone, someone had suggested um, that I, I start offering coaching, but I knew like, I see people doing audition coaching and I, and I love, I love audition coaching and all stuff, but there's a lot of people doing that. And what we don't get from a BFA program or a a BA program, no one teaches us how to run a business. Mm -hmm. No one teaches us. And, and also like there are people teaching actors how to run a business, but they're not actors. They're like business people and it's a, it's a, it's its own thing. You can't just try to sell yourself. You have to authentically build relationships in this business. And that's something that no one teaches us. And so I thought, wow, I could really help people learn those skills. And so I built, I started doing some, you know, networking workshops and, and helping people understand you know, don't just promote your work on social media, promote you. Like, how do you become, how do you paint a 360 degree picture of who you are as a human being? How do you connect with casting directors 
as a human and not just as an actor. And I think some people don't, they, they separate those two things and they're not able to see how they can be vulnerable and professional at the same time. So, so much of what I end up teaching is like a client will come to me and they'll say, okay, I'm taking this casting director workshop. I'm doing all these auditions. I'm going to the ease EPAs. I'm going to the ease ECCs and I'm sending postcards and I'm da da da. And I'm like, and they're like, what else, what else should I do? They want me to tell them what else they should do. And I say, when's the last time you went for a walk in the park? When's the last time you went to a museum? What if you just like do something that makes you a human being and then connect with people and say, I got to see this really cool exhibit. I got to, when I was walking through the park, I saw these Cardinals, you know, talk about that because then people are going to say, I love bird watching. I love that. You know, like mm-hmm. then you're connecting with casting as a human being and not as a robot. Cause nobody wants to work with a freaking robot. Yes. Yes. And you know, you can feel that like energy coming off of someone who is like very robotic and has like that, um, the the transaction that transitory the transaction relationship like you can feel when people have that uh, like kind of fake energy or like i want something from you which is the only reason we're engaging but like if you can talk about how you are and bird watching and if you can create an actual relationship with someone right it goes it's it's so much it goes so um so much deeper. And, you know, I think the more that I'm in this business, the more I realize everyone just wants to work with the people that they like and that they know. There are a lot of, I don't want to use the word crazy, but there are a lot of like people that are hard to work with in this business or, um, and I think the more people find that, the more people, you know, if you have two weeks to rehearse a show, or even if you have two months to rehearse a Broadway show, you know, and it's a really high stakes situation, you don't want to have any problems along the way with cast members or personalities or, um, and you know, the only way to kind of mitigate that is by working with people that you like and that you know, and, and that you want to spend time around. Right. And that's where the bridge, I think, gets, I think people get lost in the, in this bridge between business and relationships and understanding how to do that is that, you know, when, with marketing, there's three, there's the rule, the KLT rule, right? And in marketing, they talk about no like, and trust. And the way that you, a, a brand builds a reputation is through becoming known, becoming liked and becoming trusted. So when you, you know, the, a recognizable brand like Coca-Cola, you know what that Coke bottle looks like, you know what the things gonna look like, and you know, whether or not you like it, you get to decide. And I think what actors, get stuck in is, is they want to, they think that they want to be liked before they want to become known. Mm -hmm. And so they're always talking about, well, I want all these casting directors to hire me and I want them to all like me. And the, with the marketing, everything, or even going to an audition, it's like, how do I get them to like me? Mm -hmm. And they're forgetting that, it's none of their business if people decide to like them. Like that's none of your business, how mm-hmm. people feel or perceive you. What is more important is that they know you and they get to decide. The best thing you can do for any human being is give them permission to decide and stop expecting them to all to like you because if everyone likes you, you're just beige and nobody wants to work with the beige. Mm-hmm. So, if everyone, you know, I always say like, if everyone likes you, you're not working hard enough. Mm-hmm. And every audition is an opportunity to show people who you are. So they, it's an invitation for them to decide if that's who they want to, who they want to, you know, to be in their circle. Mm-hmm. It's, it also goes hand in hand with, you know, making strong choices, like make strong, bold, interesting choices. It's not going to be everyone's cup of tea, but it is going to be someone's, you know, as long as you're doing it, you know, rather than going in a room and just being very surface or, you know, not. But the thing is, sorry, I was going to, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say the thing with being, so putting, so being known, being liked, being trusted, right? Being liked is easy to do. Like I can put on something that you like. I could put on any sort of air that you like. Becoming known is not easy. 
becoming known takes time. And that's where I think actors really get in trouble is they want the, the quick, they want the now, they want the like, I gotta be working full time. I gotta, it, like, you don't build trust. You don't, an audition, if, to go on an audition and expect to get cast the first time is like going on a date and expecting somebody to marry you. Mm-hmm. That you don't build relationships that way. Mm-hmm. And so actors get in trouble when they start thinking short term and they think, I gotta book this job. The way you have to think is long-term and think this audition is a chance to build a relationship. Whether or not I get the job doesn't matter. But if I go in and I show them who I am so that they can start to know who I am, then I might be in their circle for the next thing or the next thing or the next thing. And you build trust over time. And every time you go into the room, you know, uh, oftentimes there's three relationships that are being built in that room. You know, there's the relationship with the casting director. There's the relationship with the director. And then, you know, if it's a callback situation, there's a relationship with the producer or the artistic director, you know? So as an actor, sometimes it feels hard, you know, and I know this, you worked so hard on audition on an audition and you didn't book it, you know, but you have to think about if you felt good about the audition, it's not for nothing. You know, someone, exactly. will re- someone will remember you. If you showed who you are, whether or not you were right for that job, you started a relationship. But then here's where some actors drop the ball is like, if you don't stay in touch, if you don't show up for the next audition that that person's working on, right? or if you don't, then you actually aren't building a relationship at all. And you've actually wasted that time and that moment. 100%. How did you learn all of this? I mean, everything that you're talking about, you know, was this like, you know, trial and tribulation and, you know, your time in the business or, you know, I just wonder like, was there, I loved the Little Mermaid story. Was there any other like specific moment or Mm. conversation or when this really became um, illuminating for you that it's, it's networking, it's relationships, it's a long game. Um. I think it's, I've tried it all, right? I've, I have um, tried, I, I would read things and I would be like, oh, I, like I said, I'm impulsive. Like, I'll try that. And sometimes I lost trust in people that I really wanted to work with because I tried something. But then I learned that over time, you can rebuild trust over time, like if you're in this for the long haul, you know, and you're putting relationships first, you can you can really have a fulfilling life in this business. It doesn't mean you're always going to be financially stable. That's a, that's but that's true with any career, right? But it does mean that you can have this amazing network of human beings in your life that you can rely on, and they can rely on you. I just started reading. I started learning from other coaches and taking other classes. And I started learning about marketing and I was always a social media nerd. I mean, when Facebook came out, I was addicted. You can ask anybody who followed me on Facebook. They were super annoyed at the time. And then what's funny is that now everybody's like, wait, how did you do that? You know, because <laughs> now everything's online. Um, but it's interesting. I just, it's a lot of trial and error. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to coach is to help save people from doing, making the mistakes I made and, mm-hmm. you know, going through any of the, the lulls and the, you know, having to make up for things. Cause they're, you know, we've all tried things and we've all like, we all really, sometimes we get desperate and we think, I just want to be known as an actor. And we forget that there's this whole life happening in the meantime that Mm -hmm. we're missing out on. And that I just didn't want people to miss out on that while they're busy going to EPAs and ECCs to see like, there's also this great city that you're living in that you could be nurturing your human soul, or you could be connecting and collaborating people. And like, you don't need permission from a, a director to do your work. You can create your own work. It's like you started this podcast. Like, I, th- I just started, I learned all those things myself. And then I was like, I can really help people find this before they wait 10, 15 years living in New York to find it themselves. Right. 
you're also going to become a better artist and actor by having those experiences. You know, you're going to be mm -hmm. able to be able to bring more specific, interesting things into the room. The more, the more you get in touch with your human side and uh, yeah, I can totally relate to that. Every, you know, when you get out of school, it's like, you're so focused and, and schools and showcases kind of shoot you out being like, this is what needs to happen. And, you know, you're focused on the people to the left and to the right of you or like that person just booked that right away. So I need to be doing this right away. And I think the, the more years you get under your belt, the more you realize, um, well, the careers you start to admire, I think, and the other people, you know, it's less about comparing yourself and it's more saying, wow, that, that person has a great career and, and it wasn't, you know, that person didn't continually work all the time. Like there were lows and there were, you know, periods that that actor wasn't working. And, um, it's been interesting for me to watch like careers of actors that I, that I love and watching because now with social media, you can see what everyone does, you know, what they do in the time that they're not working and, and how they, I don't want to say promote themselves, but how they like keep themselves relevant, how they keep themselves known, like you said, um, whether it's by like activism or charity or teaching or um, I think that's been really admirable to me is to watch, you know, what are these people choosing to do in the times that they're not um, being given permission? And I think it's also like notable to say, I mean, here's the thing. If we're constantly waiting to be happy because we're working, or if we think we're, we only have something to share when we're booking, then we're actually not going to book because most actors spend most of their time not working. It's so when are you like, if Kelly O'Hara was only an actor when she's booking, then she's actually not an actor, right? She's not, she hasn't done anything since Kiss Me Kate. But she's doing all of these things online. She's doing concerts, she's doing performances. Like, and also there's some people who are doing nothing and that's okay too. Like you have, if, if, if it's not in, in your, you know, if it's currently not in your wheelhouse to be able to support a charity because you have to survive, that's awesome too. Like own that and don't apologize for it and don't feel like you're not an actor because of that. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think that that's been interesting to see people get a little panicked and think, wow, all these workshops are happening online right now. I got to take all these cast to workshops because when are they, they going to be free? Well, I'm here to tell you they're going to be free again. <laughs> There'll be another chance to meet that person. And if today what you need and what's going to bring you joy is to do nothing, do that because what the world needs now is joy, not panic and stress. Mm -hmm. So... Anyway, I don't know where I was going with that. I just went on a tangent. Sorry. No, I love that. I love that. I think, you know, we are, you know, actors and singers and dancers are the people that bring joy to people. And I think that there's going to be a real need for us, you know, moving forward and, you know, in the new world and, you know, the calls are going to come again and, you know, it's going to, um, it's going to be important. Um, so you know, we kind of touched on it a little bit, but social media, right? Like everyone is like, oh, actors need to have a social presence online. You know, I need to be able to, um, you know, I see people on social media more than I see people auditioning in real life. So, um, you know, what does that mean? You know, because it's to have a healthy relationship with social media is so difficult for me, I guess, at least. And then... Um, you know, what is helpful on an actor's social media or, or what do you find people respond to the most? I just don't know if you have anything. Yeah. Well, I said I'm a huge social media nerd. I, I probably spend too much time on it, but it's just, it's like such a habit now that I can't, I, I, you know, I try to give myself like a social media detox, like once every six months where I just don't do anything for a week and just unplug. Um, but I do think it is important to have, have boundaries, but as an actor, I think most people don't understand the separation of, I, again, I guess kind of coming back to this idea that do you want to be known as an actor or do you want to stay in touch with your friends? Mm -hmm. 
Because when we're using social media, especially when we first start, especially if you're young, you used it in middle school, high school before you're a professional actor or whatever, and you're now trying to be an actor, you have to really look at what it is you're portraying. And, you know, I'm speaking mostly about Instagram right now because every platform has its own benefits, right? But with, with Instagram, for instance, I think a lot of people make the mistake of thinking it's a, it's a photo platform, but it's a storytelling platform. And what people are going to be engaged in is how they can relate to you in your story. And if you're only posting, you know, your self tape reel clips and check me out tonight on, you know, the good fight or whatever, then you're actually missing out on the being able to tell your story because that's what we are. We're storytellers. So then when people go there, they can connect to who you are and not your work. And the reason why I, d- I don't, I think also people get really caught up in the numbers of the following. The, fo- the amount of people doesn't really matter. It's the engagement you get. Are the people who are following you connecting to you? And are they responding? And are you, so I think that's, um, I think it, it's important that you use it. It's one of the tools that we have out there. It doesn't cost a lot. You need internet, but that's pretty much it. And, you know, but I think that there's a way to do it. And I think the healthiest thing I can tell people right now is set boundaries, set time limits. If you want to treat it like, if, if you want it to be a tool for your business, then let it be a tool for your business. Don't let it become this compare and despair device where I can look and see what other people are doing and then freeze and, and paralyze myself because while well, they're doing that, they're just telling the story they want to tell. You don't know what the real story is, mm-hmm. right? It's very easy to look at what other people are doing and they can curate that feed however they want. You don't know what's really going on. Mm-hmm. And so what story do you want to tell? Stop making it this personal thing that like, oh, wow, they're doing so much better than me. What's the point? Mm-hmm. You, don't know, you don't know what's going on with them, but you get to decide what you want people to know about you. Yeah, I think I've never thought about it that way. I did. I guess I always did think about it in terms of, you know, a photo platform, but it's not. I mean, it's, you know, we tune into watch i'm like binging ozark right now do you know like we tune in to watch stories and to watch stories like in little bite size you know increments and i think that's kind of what you do with 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 social media whether it's your friends or whether it's an actor you admire like you tune into their pictures and their instagram stories to to see like what are they up to where are they what are they doing how are they responding to the world that we're in right now um you know i think it's just important to always remember that like you said you know you can curate it and the best you want and it's you know to remember that it is a highlight you know people aren't you know throwing up like their you know, the days that they're sick and, you know, sad and, you know, stuff like that. When I think some, well, something, two things that I would say, I think I I could go on, on about social media for forever, but two things I would say is that stop asking yourself, what do you want to say about yourself? Like, I think that's what a lot of people will do immediately. Like, what should I share about myself and start thinking, how do I want people to feel? Mm Mm-hmm. When they look at this, how do I want people to feel right now? So if right now you want people to feel joyful or you want them to feel, to laugh or um, to feel romantic or inspired or whatever that is, how do I want them to feel is going to help you connect to people more than how do I, what do I want to say about myself? And that's, that's where we can get in trouble. And then I think the other thing is that even when, you know, that phrase they say, like when somebody's if somebody's pissing you off, pray for them, right? If somebody's offending you, pray for them. You almost have to think about social media the same way. Even if you feel like somebody has posted something at somebody you know, and you're like jealous or you're frustrated, instead of coming from, uh, instead of just deleting them or following or, um, or just closing the app, response like engage like almost do the do do be the bigger person in that moment because your ego is telling you something but what that part give people what it is you would want if it was in your place 
It's the same thing like when somebody books the job, right? Instead of being mad that they got the job over you, be happy for them, support them, understand that the universe is abundant and that there will be more things coming your way. And when you can support that person, then when you're in the same position they're in, you'll get the same thing in return. Give people what it is that they want if you were in their position because that energy will come back to you at some other point. Amen. <laughs> I love that. Agreed. I know. It it's it's totally true. Like the good you put into the world, it does come back. And it's fun to watch that happen, you know, for yourself and for other people. Good things happen to good people and and I think that that's true. I mean, good things happen to bad people too, but <laughs> everyone's going to have their moment and it's very easy to to be like, wow, but you don't, again, you don't know what's really going on behind that post. You know, I always, sometimes I, I look at people who I was auditioning with when I first moved to New York and they're TV stars and they're, you know, nominated for things. And we would be at the same auditions and I'll just, you know, booking things. And then, and then, but at the same time I can go, wow, but I'm in this amazing marriage mm-hmm. and I have these things that they don't have. So the grass is always going to be greener and you don't know the full story. Right. I love that. I think it's so cool that you do so many different things in the business. I mean, you're an actor, you're a coach, but the thing I've learned today is that you are, you have this spirit. You're like a, a spiritual, like, um, <laughs> Uh, inspiration as well. Um, and it's so refreshing to like to talk to you because so many people that have been in the business for a while don't have that joy or that spark. And um, it's just important to have because why else are we doing this? Do you know? Then like if we're not happy to be doing it, then um, then it's lost. Then it's lost on us. Um, and there's a million people who want to be doing it. And I, I love, you know, I'm particularly also inspired that you do a couple different things within this business that you really love. And how do you feel like that's been received? Like, how has it been navigating kind of two different careers within the same business? I'm just, I, I think that's interesting. I think more and more in 2020, it's accepting that people do many that people have many different interests and do many different things i don't know that that was the case a long time ago i think people got a little pigeonholed but i just wonder um you know if you have anything to say about if you would recommend for people to kind of have another thing or you know what you what you think about that yeah well i i I, it's interesting i remember when i started the coaching business i was very apprehensive because I still, and it's still, I still want people to know me as an actor. And I was so afraid that if I became, and and I love directing and I love producing and I love doing all these things. And I would Mm -hmm. always sort of apologize for being a content creator because I only wanted people to know me as an actor. But ultimately, again, this goes back to what I said earlier, where if everyone likes you, you're not working hard enough. I got to do what makes, brings me joy. And at the top, in front of all of that is always going to be good work. I want to do good work. I don't want to go to an audition and suck because I was too distracted working on a website or doing social media. You know, at the end of it, it's like, I'm not going to promote, I'm not going to promote, quote unquote promote, but I'm not going to share stuff on social media and then show up at an audition and be totally sucky. I don't want to lie to people and pretend I'm something that I'm not. So I've always been very, you know, protective of that. And I do think that there are probably some people who don't like that I'm so great at social media because there are some people in this business and theater, let's face it, is such a acoustic, I don't know what's the word, such an analog society. And there are people who want to hold on to that part of the theater. And they're like, I don't, they're not on social media and they, they kind of poo poo anybody who, who is, well, those aren't my people. Cause that's not me. That's that. And that's okay. And understanding again, the universe is abundant that, if you're, if it brings you joy and it's something that you're passionate about, it just is one more thing that makes you, you and to own it. And in the end, all those fears that come in of like, oh my God, they're not going to think I'm an actor or they're not going to think I'm because I'm doing this have been proven wrong, you know? And the only re the only way I learned that was by doing it. 
And so sometimes it's not perfect. And to me, perfectionism is the enemy of good. I would rather just try it and see what happens and see how I feel and see if it helps anybody. And then I get the information, right? It's just like going to any audition. I always say to people, going to the audition or a callback is not about booking the job. It's about gathering information. Are these my people? Does this song work for me? Is this the right, is this the direction I'm going in at 40 years old? Am I now a character actor? I'm going to learn all of these things, but I'm not going to learn them by obsessively thinking about it. I'm going to learn them by going out and doing it. Mm -hmm. And so I've learned more and more about who I am and how I want to serve people just by doing and then understanding that, you know, sometimes people aren't going to like that. Mm -hmm. Well, those aren't my, those aren't my people and that's okay. Mm -hmm. And they're not my people right now, but here's the other thing. 10 years later, they could be my people. Yeah. People change, people evolve and relationships change and relationships evolve. And so we have to believe that we're in this for the long haul. I mean, it is hard. It is overwhelming sometimes because between acting, which can be really time consuming, especially when you're a swing in a Broadway show to running the Broadway life coach business. And then Steven and I have the Broadway husband's, podcasts and Broadway husband's uh, Instagram account, which is a lot. And we also have this apparel line, Broadway life apparel and somewhere something's going to get the short end of the stick. It's just how it goes. I'm not, you know, independently wealthy. I'm not, this is all stuff that I just do because it's creative. And a lot of it started on an impulse. I forgive myself and I allow myself to be imperfect and I allow myself to show up when it's possible. And I trust that you know, what's supposed to happen will happen. Of course, because that's, <laughs> that's the way the universe works. And but I think like finding that trust and gaining it definitely takes some time. But the more you hear it, the more it sticks. Well, and here's the thing, you know, anyone who's listening, if you're not uncomfortable, you're not growing. And I want you to think about every time you've been uncomfortable and how you've come out the other end of that. You always come out stronger, better and learning something. And so as an actor, it's even the same thing in a scene, right? You want to be in that uncomfortable place when you're working on your scenes so that you're pushing yourself. And there's a difference between uncomfortable and pain, right? I'm not talking about being in pain and putting your, like sacrificing something, but I'm talking about pushing yourself past that zone where you're saying, well, this feels safe. This feels safe. I, I'm only going to go to EPAs. I'm not going to reach out to that cast. Oh, there he is. There he is. There's my sweet dog. <laughs> Nelly, it's okay. It's probably just that. I uh, I love that. I love everything you said about about that because you know even just doing this podcast and also being an actor and you know starting doing directing stuff like it's the same thing. Like I'm I'm so worried. Oh, people will you know not think of me as an actor, or people will wonder why am I doing something else. And I worry about the same thing. I'm like, you know, oh, should I be putting all of my time and energy into into acting? Because, you know, because if I don't, then maybe I'm not pursuing it, you know, hard enough. Or, But I quickly learned the more like directing stuff that I did or the more I worked on this podcast, it's all cross-pollinating. And I've gotten acting jobs from doing an associate directing gig. And I've gotten auditions because of a podcast. You know, like, it all it all feeds itself. And I think the more you understand different people in the business, which is what I hope this podcast does, like what, what different people do, the more you can understand your place in it and how you fit into it. It just makes it all a little less mysterious and a little less scary. If you can see, you know, if you can see the path and see, you know, what, what others do. Um, and by having your own thing and sometimes having your own thing just also helps you keep your sanity, you know? Um, yeah. You're an expert at something and, and being an expert doesn't mean that you have years and years of experience. It just means you're one step ahead of somebody else and you can help that person who's one step behind. And I've gone through so many businesses. I mean, I started painting apartments. I actually painted, if you've ever been to Disney theatricals offices at the, at the um, New Amsterdam theater, if you go into their lobby, their whole lobby, I painted. 
And that was like a side business I had, I, I guess right before Little Mermaid during Beauty and the Beast, Little Mermaid time. And I, you know, and every time I go to their offices for anything, I'm like, oh, I painted that. It's kind of cool. I don't run that business anymore, but I've tried all kinds of things. And so don't be afraid to just try and not, and we all get a little bit, a little bit protective. And then what ends up happening is we miss out on all these opportunities to learn more about who we are, to meet other people, to connect with other people. And like you just said, you never know where real relationships no matter where they are uh, found, where they can take you. A hundred percent. I love that. I, I I think it's, I think that you never know. I love that you for painting. I love painting. I love painting like my apartment or like walls. I like think it's like the most relaxing thing in the whole world. Um, except when I get super crazy about it and I have like the painter's tape and it needs to be perfect. But I love it. I love it. I love talking to you, Brett. Um, Thanks. I'm I'm so happy that we did this, and I think it's um, it's so helpful to have you, you just have your finger on so many current things that are happening and trends. And social media is huge, and I loved what you said about it. And it's so much a part of what our business is today. Uh, listen, like I've had people on this podcast say that they found people for readings because they scrolled through their Facebook and was like looking for who would be right for the role. You know, like I think that can make a lot of people feel anxious, you know, because it's like, well, that's the case. But to just know and have that awareness that that's what's happening and and that it is important. I will say this. It's important for you if it's important for you. I think that I just want to say this out loud is that I know people who work all the time who are not on social media. Mm-hmm. Don't feel like you have to do it because it's what everyone's doing. You got it. You got it. Rule number one in show business: there are no rules. You get to create your own rules. Mm-hmm. You know, you just know that like some people are going to probably be easier to find because of that. And you, if you decide not to do that, you're going to be harder to find. But that, that's a decision, and you get to own the consequences of that decision. Right. I honestly could keep talking to you for a long time and I hope we get to meet and talk in person someday. Um, I want to come to Cape Cod. I want to come to Cape Cod. Oh, please come to Cape Cod. Cape Cod. It's <laughs> so beautiful. Yeah. It's nice to just be away from the city right, right now. Sadly enough. I keep telling Michael, I say, Oh my gosh, when we get back to New York, we are going to love it. Like we are going to get back there and be like, I missed it so much. So Anyway, Brett, thank you so much. I so appreciate you um, talking to me today. Thanks, Robbie. Awesome job. For more information on the podcast and our guests, visit thebreakdownpodcast.com and connect with us. Let us know you're listening on Facebook and Instagram at The Breakdown with Robbie. And again, if you like what you heard, help spread the word and make sure to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this. Thank you so much for listening and stay tuned for another episode of The Breakdown. <laughs> <laughs>